0: Today's scripture reading is from Leviticus 13one 1-8, 45-52, verse 59, and Leviticus 14, verse 1-9, 19-22, 33-36, and 54-57. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When a person has on the skin of his body a swelling or an eruption or a spot, and it turns into a case of leprous disease on the skin of his body, Then he shall be brought to Aaron, the priest, or to one of his sons, the priests. And the priest shall examine the diseased area on the skin of his body. And if the hair in the diseased area has turned white, and the disease appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a case of leprous disease. When the priest has examined him, he shall pronounce him unclean. But if the spot is white in the skin of his body, and appears no deeper than the skin, and the hair in it has not turned white, The priest shall shut up the diseased person for seven days, and the priest shall examine him on the seventh day. And if in his eyes the disease is checked, and the disease has not spread in the skin, then the priest shall shut him up for another seven days. And the priest shall examine him again on the seventh day. And if the diseased area has faded, and the disease has not spread in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean, it is only an eruption and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the eruption spreads in the skin, after he has shown himself to the priest for his cleansing, he shall appear again before the priest, and the priest shall look. And if the eruption has spread in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous disease. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean, unclean! He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. When there is a case of leprous disease in a garment, whether a woolen or a linen garment, in warp or a woof of linen or wool, or in a skin or in anything made of skin if the disease is greenish or reddish in the garment or in the skin or in the warp or the wolf or in any article made of skin it is a case of leprous disease and it shall be shown to the priest and the priest shall examine the disease and shut up that which has the disease for seven days then he shall examine the disease on the seventh day if the disease has spread in the garment, in the wop, or the wolf, or in the skin, whatever be the use of the skin, the disease is a persistent leprous disease. It is unclean. And he shall burn the garment, or the wop, or the wolf, the wool, or the linen, or any article made of skin that is diseased. For it is a persistent leprous disease. It shall be burned in the fire. This is the law for a a case of leprous disease in a garment of wool or linen, either in the warp or the wolf, or in any article made of skin, to determine whether it is clean or unclean. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leprous person for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall look. Then, if the case of leprous disease is healed in the leprous person, the priest shall command them to take for him who is to be cleansed two live clean birds and cedar wood and scarlet yarn and hyssop. And the priest shall command them to kill one of the birds in an earthenware vessel over fresh water. He shall take the live bird with the cedar wood and the scarlet yarn and the hyssop and dip them and the live bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed of the leprous disease. Then he shall pronounce him clean, and shall let the living bird go into the open field. And he who is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes, and shave off all his hair, and bathe himself in water, and he shall be clean. And after that he may come into the camp, but shall live outside his tent for seven days. And on the seventh day he shall shave off all his hair from his head, his beard, and his eyebrows. He shall shave off all his hair, and then he shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and he shall be clean. The priest shall offer the sin offering to make atonement for him who is to be cleansed from his uncleanness. And afterwards he shall kill the burnt offering. And the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. Thus the priest shall make atonement for him, and he shall be clean. But if he is poor and cannot afford so much, then he shall take one male lamb for a guilt offering to be waived, to make atonement for him, and a tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering and a log of oil, also two turtle doves or two pigeons, whichever he can afford. One shall be a sin offering and the other a burnt offering. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When you come into the land of Canaan, which I give you for a possession, and I put a case of leprous disease in a house in the land of your possession, then he who owns the house shall come and tell the priest, There seems to me to be some case of disease in my house. Then the priest shall command that they empty the house before the priest goes to examine the disease, lest all that is in the house be declared unclean. And afterwards, the priest shall go in to see the house. This is the law for any case of leprous disease, for an itch, for leprous disease in a garment or in a house, and for a swelling or an eruption or a spot, to show when it is unclean and when it is clean. This is the law for leprous disease. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Alina for reading the passage so well for us and I'm sure many of you are wondering after that how is he gonna preach this passage uh, with the help of the Holy Spirit and much of your encouragement shall we go to the Lord in a word of prayer father we thank you so much that this too is your word and we pray that you would send us your spirit to shine a light upon your word so that as we see it we will be drawn close to Jesus again in Christ's name we pray amen Now friends, if you've just joined us, we're working our way through the book of Leviticus, and today we're looking at Leviticus 13 and 14. We've read episodes of that that section, but it's an important section in the book of Leviticus. Now this passage sits in a bigger section in Leviticus, Leviticus 11 to 15. And Leviticus 11 to 15 deals with God's regulations for how unclean people can become clean and unholy people can become holy. Now, all of this is book-ended. It begins and ends with the story of Nadab and Abihu. In Leviticus chapter 10, Nadab and Abihu, two priests, who should have known better, in the worship of God, offered up unauthorized fire. And as a result of that, they were both struck dead. Right after that incident, Leviticus 11 to 15 is given to us. God gives us his regulations for clean and unclean, holy and unholy. And after all of these regulations are given, at the end Leviticus 16 verse 1 Nadab and Abihu are mentioned again so this entire section 11 to 15 is book ended by the story of Nadab and Abihu which tells us friends that 11 to 15 is here so that another incident like Nadab and Abihu will not happen so that when God's people enter into his holy presence they will know that he is holy and they too need to be holy and thus not die as Nadab and Abihu did in Leviticus chapter 10 and as we've studied 11 to 15 we've seen that it has to do with everyday things in chapter 11 it's about the food that we eat in chapter 12 that we looked at last week it's about childbirth today in Leviticus 13 and 14 it describes for us what to do when they become unclean because of an infectious disease you see friends Leviticus 13 and 14 are one unit how do we know they're one unit? because the same Hebrew word that has been translated leprous disease is used over and over and over again in Leviticus 13 and 14 it describes a disease that you can get on your skin that you can have on a garment and you can have even in a home Now, because it's a relatively long passage, let me kind of break it down for you and show you how it fits together. Number one, Leviticus 13, verse 1 to 46, shows us how to identify and treat persons with this infectious disease. So it's a person's. Leviticus 13, verse 47 to 49, it shows us how to identify and treat garments or pieces of clothing that have this infectious disease. In Leviticus 14, verse 1 to 32, it shows people who have already recovered from this infectious disease What they still need to do to become ritually clean In Leviticus 14, verse 33 to 53, it shows us how to identify and treat a home, a house with this infectious disease And finally, we have verses 54 to 57, which gives an overall summary of Leviticus 13 and 14 Let me read that for you It says, this is the law for any case of leprous disease, for an itch, for leprous disease in a garment or in a house, or for a swelling or an eruption or a spot to show when it is unclean and when it is clean. This is the law for leprous disease. Now, after listening to all of that, I know what some of you are thinking. How in the world does all of this apply to me? How is any of this relevant to me? is this god's idea of safe distancing measures should we employ these things to keep us safe from infectious diseases our friends if you look more carefully at leviticus 13 and 14 you'll discover that this leprous disease is actually a symbol of a deeper spiritual problem for a few reasons number one if you ask any doctor the symptoms that are being described here do not correspond to the disease we know today as leprosy or Hansen's disease. It's some kind of infectious disease, but it does not correspond to leprosy. Number two, it's the priest who is called to examine the person and the garment and the home, not the physician and not the doctor. Number three, no medication is prescribed whatsoever, neither is surgery prescribed. Number four, When the person who has already recovered physically from this infectious disease, he still needs to go through a religious ritual to become clean. Come with me, friends, to Leviticus 14, verse 19. Leviticus 14, verse 19 says this, The priest shall offer the sin offering to make atonement for him who is to be cleansed from his uncleanness. So friends, this is leprous disease, it's not Hansen's disease, it's not leprosy as we know it today. It's some kind of infectious disease, but it is a symbol of a deeper spiritual problem. It's a symbol for sin. Old Testament scholar Peter Lee puts it this way, just as sin cuts them off from the holy presence of the loving God, these unclean diseases do the same the external plague-like nature of these diseases rejects the internal and true infestation reflects the internal and true infestation of the moral corruption of sin which means friends leviticus 13 and 14 are god's gift of grace to us his church It's god's way of showing us the dangers of sin and how to deal with sin in our lives This infectious disease is a symbol of a deeper spiritual problem. And God knows how serious sin is and what must be done to deal with sin so that we can be clean and holy and enter into his holy presence without being obliterated by that holy presence. So Leviticus 13 and 14 is an incredible gift of grace from a God who loves us enough not to leave us in our sin. So let's look at this passage under three headings examination isolation and ablution examination isolation and ablution we begin with examination now friends if you t- look through Leviticus 13 and 14 you will see that it gives us a standardized way for the priests to examine and identify infection in persons garments and homes firstly the priest is to look out for the symptoms of this disease if you look at verse 3 there's a phrase there the priest shall examine and later on he shall look that phrase the priest shall examine or shall look is applied for people Leviticus 13 verse 3 for garments Leviticus 13 verse 50 and for homes Leviticus 14 36 in other words there is a set of observable criteria given by God to the priest to determine whether or not there is a Indeed, an infectious disease. For example, look at verse 3. Has the skin turned white and is the disease deeper than the skin? Or verse 15, is the flesh raw? Or verse 49, does the garment appear greenish or reddish? And then for the homes, look at Leviticus 14:37. The priest is to look out for greenish or reddish spots that go beneath the The surface, there is a set of criteria that God himself has given to the priest to determine whether something has been infected by this disease or not. Whether it's a person, a garment, or a house. Secondly, the priest then makes a pronouncement of clean or unclean. And this is the same for the person, verse 3, for the garment, verse 51, or even the home, Leviticus 14 36. Now, friends, in some cases, the initial examination is inconclusive. In those cases, if you look at verse 4, verse 50, and Leviticus 14:38, the person or the garment or the home is shut up or quarantined for seven days before another examination takes place to determine whether it's clean or unclean, whether or not there exists an infectious disease. In the person garment or home so as we take a step back friends we notice there's a clear set of criteria and there's a sense of intentionality in identifying the disease and friends that's exactly what we as God's people need to deal with sin you see friends otherwise we end up calling something sin that isn't sin or we end up not calling something sin that is indeed sin One pastor, Roland Barnes, wrote an article, and he puts it this way. Sin is not your opinion of what is right and wrong. Neither is sin defined by your preferences. Sin is defined in terms of God's law because God's law is a reflection of his holy character. Friends, sin is not determined by your opinion. Neither is it determined by your preferences. It is determined by God's law. Because God's law is a reflection of his holy character friends in God's law he gives us an objective and standard reality to determine right and wrong good or evil constructive or destructive and all of this friends is incredibly freeing now why you may think you see friends if you base your idea of sin on your own opinions and preferences If you're honest with yourself and you look deep inside you have competing opinions and competing preferences in your heart I experience that all the time I want to get fit so I'm heading to the gym but then the Hawker Center beckons there are conflicting opinions and preferences in your heart and so if you base your idea of sin on your own opinions and preferences you will be enslaved by every whim and fancy you have on the other hand if you've been more sophisticated you recognize how weak you are you say okay I'm not going to look into my own heart I'm gonna look at society I'm gonna look at my friends I'm gonna look at people who I respect and I'm gonna get an idea of what is good or bad evil uh, or or good or, or helpful or not helpful I'm gonna look at them and see what they think friends try pleasing everybody and you please nobody my friends because they will have different opinions and preferences and not only will they have different opinions and, and and preferences among them within them they've got different opinions and preferences and so if you base your idea of sin on what they think that's enslaving too you're enslaved to the shifting sands of your cultural moments look inside you're enslaved to the shifting sands of your own whims and fancies look outside and you're enslaved to the shifting sands of your cultural moments there is no firmness there is no steadiness everything is moving friends God is more gracious than that he does not want to leave us in a place where we are uncertain about where He is and who He is and what He is like. And sin is too serious, a problem for God to leave us guessing. And so He gives us His law. Psalm 19 verse7 says, "The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Romans 7:12 says, "The law is holy." And the commandment is holy and righteous and good in the law of god we have perfection in the law of god we have what god gives us to revive our souls it's a sure sturdy and wise testimony to who god is is a sure and clear definition of what is and is not sin and when we give ourselves to understanding his law and his word it helps us to call what is sin truly sin and to not call what is not sin sin and that is incredibly important friends because if we go about saying something is sin when it is not sin that's a sin that's being oppressive but if we go about calling something not sin that is sin we are not given the opportunity to deal with the sin that kills us And friends, sin, like this infectious disease, is not to be trifled with. It is deadly. John Owen, famous Puritan, famously put it this way, Be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. Be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. And in this passage, one of the grave outcomes of sin is isolation. I'm going to move into our second point. Now, if a person is found to have the disease, Leviticus 13, verse 46 says this person is to be put outside the camp. And he is to remain there as long as he has the disease. For an infected garment, Leviticus 13 52 says it is to be burnt up in the fire. If only a section of the garment is infected, verse 56 says you are to tear out that section. You are to isolate the rest of the garment from the infected section. Now, friends, if a house is found to be infected, Leviticus 1440 says the diseased stones in that house are to be carried out and taken outside of the city. You see the repeated phrase outside the camp, outside of the city. Now, friends, if the infection has spread throughout the house, the entire house needs to be demolished and all of the stones are meant to be carried out of the city. Leviticus 14 45. In other words, that person or that garment or that section of the garment or that home or that part of the home needs to be isolated from the rest of the people and the rest of the camp. Of Israel you see friends sin by its very nature is isolating sin by its very nature is isolating in Genesis 3 verse 23 and 24 after Adam and Eve had sinned they were driven out of the Garden of Eden why because God wanted to prevent them from eating from the tree of life and living forever in their sin because of their sin they were isolated from the presence of Almighty. mighty God. Not only does sin isolate them from God's presence, sin isolates them from one another. After they sinned, we have the first instance of marital strife. God comes to Adam. Where have you been? Why did you eat? He says, the woman made me eat. First time you have the man blaming the woman for something that he did. And as you trace the story through Genesis, you will see human strife and isolation getting worse and worse sin friends by its very nature isolates us from God and it isolates us from one another let me give you two examples if your sin is pride you'll find it very hard to worship a being higher than you because you are that greatest being so you're isolated from God And if your sin is pride, everyone else is an idiot and unworthy of your affection and attention. So if your sin is pride, it isolates you from God and it isolates you from other people. It doesn't matter if you're nice to them. Deep inside, you hold them in contempt because they don't quite meet your standards. Now friends, if your sin is envy, you are going to resent God. For not giving you what the other person has and if your sin is envy you're going to resent the person that has the things that you want and you're going to despise the person that doesn't have the things that you want once again sin is isolating it isolates you from god it isolates you from other people sin by its very nature my friends is isolating it keeps us away from god And away from other people it isolates us from the kind of relationship the life-giving relationship we need with God in order to live and it isolates us from this life-giving relationship with others that we also need sin by its very nature is isolating and the Bible is clear that if we continue down this path of unrepentant sin Revelation 20, 14 says we will be eternally isolated from God in the lake of fire. Sin, friends, by its very nature, isolates us from God and isolates us from one another. Well, but friends, there is good news in Leviticus 13 and 14. Because you have Leviticus 14, verse 1 to 32, which is the procedure that they're supposed to go through after they have become healed from the infectious disease which shows us it's possible to be healed of this leprous disease this infectious disease it's possible for us to be cleansed of our sin but they need to go through a cleansing or an ablution, and there are three steps to this process in Leviticus 14 verse 1 to 32 come with me to Leviticus 14 1 to 32 come with me to Leviticus 14 verse 4 to 7 this is the first ritual they are to go through they are to bring well if you are the person who needs to be cleansed and you're now healed you are to bring two live birds with cedar wood scarlet yarn and hyssop to the priest you then kill one of the birds over fresh water the blood drips into that water and you take these items and the remaining live bird and you dip it into this mixture of blood and water and this mixture is then sprinkled on the person who is being cleansed. Now interestingly, Leviticus 14 verse 49 to 53 describes the very same ritual for cleansing a home. Now friends, I'll be honest with you, scholars disagree on what exactly each of these items mean But broadly speaking, it's a picture of impurity being carried away as the bird goes free at the expense of the other bird that had to die for it. It's a picture of impurity being carried away. Secondly, if you look at Leviticus 14 verse 8 to 9, they need to wash and shave. Now verse 8 says they need to wash their clothes, shave off all their hair, bathe and come into the camp they can come into the camp they're outside the camp they can come into the camp right now but they're not allowed to go into that tent for seven days it's a gradual reintroduction into the community of God's people that's the care that they're taking yes you might be healed you can come into the camp but you can't go into your tent just yet for seven days now after seven days of quarantine on the eighth day come with me to verse nine they are once again to shave all of their hair from the head, the beard, the eyebrows, and they're to wash their clothes and bathe, and then they shall be clean. Now friends, once again, scholars are not in agreement in terms of exactly what these things mean, but I think it's a picture of a fresh start. Who do you know? What kind of people don't have hair in this way? Newborn babies. It's a picture of a fresh start. This person no longer has that disease. They are a new person and they can start a new life. Finally, the most elaborate is found in Leviticus 14, 10 to 32. They must present offerings to make atonement. For those who could afford it, Leviticus 14, verse 10 to 20 says, bring two male lambs, an eel lamb, fine flour mixed with oil, and one log of oil. For those who are poor, Leviticus 14, 21 to 32 says, to bring one male lamb, fine flour, a log of oil, and two turtle doves or pigeons. Now, friends, where have we encountered the two turtle doves or pigeons? Right before in Leviticus 12, wasn't it? That was the poor man's Offering, which means, friends, once again, God is making provision for atonement for everyone. Whether you can afford it or not, whether you're rich or poor, God says, I will make a way for you to be cleansed and for atonement to be made for your sins. After the offerings are made, in both cases, whether you're offering the rich man's offering or the poor man's offering, look at verse 14 and 25. The blood of the guilt offering, one of the four offerings that they offer, is to be applied to the right ear, the right thumb, and the big toe of the person being cleansed. Now these three parts of the body symbolize the entire person. It's a picture that because of these sacrifices, every part of all of you is now clean in God's eyes. And then look at verses 16 and 27 the priest takes the oil and he sprinkles it firstly before the Lord now oil is a picture of setting apart something as holy and so the priest sprinkles in a sense God first and then look at verses 17 to 18 and 29 to 20 28 and 29 he takes the same oil that he has used to sprinkle the Lord before the Lord And he applies it to the right ear the thumb and the big toe and to pour the rest of it on the head of the person being cleansed now verse 18 to 20 and verses 29 to 31 calls all of this making atonement and it's a picture that the entire person is not only clean because of these sacrifices but reconciled to God remember friends the word atonement comes in two words at One. People who were not at one with one another are now brought together and made at one because of sacrifice. And what's happening here, friends, with all of these rituals is a symbol and picture of the entire person being cleansed and reconciled to Almighty God. Did you notice something as you studied the passage? Did you notice something very glaring the thing that is most glaring about these passages is that there is technically no cure for the infectious disease no cure at all all they could do was isolate put the person out put the garment out break down the stones and put it outside there was technically no cure for the infectious disease so when the person is put out of the camp and isolated from the camp that was a very desperate situation there was no medication there was no surgery all the person could do was cry out to God and trust God to heal him there is no cure other than isolation and waiting for God to heal. Now, friends, turn with me to Matthew chapter 8, verse 2 to 4. Matthew chapter 8, verse 2 to 4. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 2 to 4, we encounter a similar desperate situation. It says, a leper came to Jesus. Now once again, friends, that word leper does not refer refer to someone with Hansen's disease or leprosy as we know it today. It's some kind of infectious disease. We're not quite sure why, but it's not what we come to know today as leprosy. A leper comes to Jesus and in desperation cries out, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. He was in the same desperate situation as the person who had been put out of the city and out of the camp was. He didn't have to wait. It says here, without delay or hesitation, Jesus stretched out his hand, touches him, and says, I will, I am willing, be clean. And the text says, immediately, immediately his leprosy was cleansed he was healed friends Jesus is the one who can ultimately heal and make someone clean and because this infectious disease is a picture of sin and Jesus's ministry in his ministry he healed many it's a picture that he is the only one that can forgive sin and make us clean from our Sins, Now friends, in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus still tells this man who has been healed to show himself to the priest. He still needs to go through those three rituals in order to become ceremonially clean. But friends, we don't have to. Do you know why? Because that man was living before Jesus was offered up as the final offering and sacrifice for sin. He still had to offer those animal sacrifices, but for us, Jesus has been offered on the cross as that final sacrifice for sin. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 12, and I'll close with this. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 12 says this Jesus suffered outside the gates outside the city in order to sanctify or to make holy the people through his blood friends jesus jesus was clean jesus was sinless jesus deserved fellowship with god unending Jesus did not deserve to be cast out of the city because he had no sin and no disease and no uncleanness of his own. But yet the passage says, he was cast out of the city and he suffered and bled. Not for his uncleanness, not for his disease, not for his sin, but for mine. And for yours and for all of us here he bled and died outside the city so that you and I dipped in his blood may go free and in so doing friends all who embrace him by faith alone are forgiven cleansed and brought back into the city of God and friends do you realize that this is all of grace because none of this is deserved and yet in his kind and loving mercy God sent his son Jesus to be the ultimate sacrifice and friends when we have tasted of that kind of grace sin is going to be your greatest enemy because god becomes your greatest friend let's pray father we come before you and we thank you for opening our eyes to see two things lord one the darkness of our hearts but two the greatness of your grace To see again lord that you sent your son jesus who was sinless and clean and without disease outside the camp outside the city to bleed and die for us shows us how incredibly great our turning away from you is that sin infects our persons our garments and even our home every part of us and yet The greatness of your grace in Christ is that you have made a way for us to be cleansed thoroughly, all of us, and to be reconciled to God. So Father, forgive us when we have taken sin lightly in our personal lives. Forgive us, Lord, when you have taken sin lightly in your church. We pray, Lord, you give us a hunger for personal holiness and a hunger for holiness in our church, that together we may call sin what is sin, and that we may not call what is not sin, sin, that together as your people, we may grow more into the likeness of Christ, that we may flourish in that likeness, and that we may be a light to a dark world that does not know what is good and bad, that does not know what is truly constructive and destructive. Use us, Lord, humbly to bring the message of the gospel to those far and near. In Jesus' name we pray. Amén.